midweek devotional time. I have gotten the uh, cue from our guys in the sound room that I think we are on. Um, the good news is that they're back in the sound room just to make uh, me preaching to this empty room even more awkward. So appreciate that and appreciate them. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, this is uh, a time that we've reserved for kind of in lieu of our ordinary Wednesday services. And so uh, we're thankful that you've chosen to be here and to join us uh, and uh, want to delve into some things that uh, will kind of tie up and finish off some things that we have been starting uh, in June. So it's in 1 Thessalonians 5 that we're going to be, 1 Thessalonians 5. And, and I wanted to finish this uh, series of lessons. What had happened was the, the first three weeks of June... Uh, we worked through uh, these areas in the first part of verse 14 here, and there's one more that uh, I wanted to finish off. What happened was um, the elders decided that Brent was going to do uh, the Wednesday night, uh, the last Wednesday night in June, and then I was out of town last week, so Brent filled in for me on Wednesday night last week. Our plan for July is to sort of alternate Wednesday nights, so uh, Lord willing, next week uh, Brent's going to be here and teaching in this time. And then the week after that, I am thinking about uh, doing uh, maybe a Q&A just because we haven't had a Q&A in a while and I've gotten some more questions. Uh, so I thought that might be a good uh, uh, change up for us on Wednesday night. But that's, that's the plan uh, going forward for the month of July. First Thessalonians 5 and uh, verse 14. So this is the verse we've been working from and, and you'll recognize it even if it's been a few weeks since you looked at it. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 14 says, And we urge you, brothers, Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. So what we've discussed as we've gone through this verse is that Paul is really highlighting the fact that we need spiritual discernment in figuring out who we're talking to and dealing with, trying to help, and what we do for them. So there are different categories of people. There's no one-size-fits-all approach to how I help my brothers and sisters in Christ. Some people are idle. They're neglecting their responsibilities. They're living out of step with God's will for them and God's will for our community. And they need to be admonished, which is a word that means a strong rebuke. Some are faint-hearted. They're losing their steam or they're doubting. They're discouraged. And they need comfort or encouragement. They don't need strong rebuke like others do. Some are weak. That is, they haven't grown to the point where they can help themselves. And they don't really need a lecture. What they need is help. In some way. And so Paul says, help the weak. And in this section, this last phrase, Paul seems to look back on all those other situations and say, you know what? All of these groups of people need your patience. And all the other groups I haven't mentioned, be patient with them all. And so it confronts us with the question just how patient are you with people? There are two main word groups in the New Testament that are used to describe patience. Uh, there's one group that's about patience with circumstances. So we would usually use a word like endurance to talk about circumstances. Uh, patience doesn't really fit. Uh, if you're doing long-distance running, you don't refer to that as patience running. You refer to it as endurance running. It's not really about patience. That's not really the idea we would use. We would say that's endurance. So there's one set that's about dealing with circumstances that are hard. But there is another word, and the word that Paul uses here, that almost always refers to patience with people. It is the literally to have a long or large spirit. Sometimes it's translated long-suffering, being able to handle a lot from people. One scholar defines it as emotional calm in the face of provocation 
and misfortune without complaint or irritation. So if that's the definition, emotional calm when you are provoked without complaining or getting irritated, how patient are you with people? So I just want to spend a moment tonight considering patience and considering how we can examine ourselves. Now, when you study patience, especially this idea of patience with people, one of the things that jumps out at you is how much the biblical authors describe God as a patient God, patient with people. So this is something that is going to flow out of the nature of God. And as we look at these examples, what you'll see is we learn more about patience from observing God's behavior than perhaps we do from even observing other people. Because what we learn from other people is how to be impatient, but what we learn from God is how to be patient with people. So I want to just give you some observations about the idea of patience. The first is this, that patience is going to involve time. That just in its own nature, patience in whatever form it takes means waiting. So whether that's dealing with circumstances and we're waiting for things to get better, or whether that's people and we're waiting for some resolution or some growth or some help, whatever it is, it's going to involve time and it's going to involve discomfort over time. So let's go to Romans 9. Paul uses this word to describe God in Romans 9. In in Romans 9, what's happening is Paul is describing how God sort of changes the rules uh, in terms of how he deals with people so that where before he had taught people to approach him through working the law, now he has taught us that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus. So what Paul is doing here in Romans 9 is describing kind of how that all works and why God can change the rules. Now, a lot of that's a discussion we're not going to get into, but I want you to see how that involves God's patience over time. Romans 9 and verse 22, it says, What if God, desiring to show his wrath and make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory? even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. So he says God had a goal. Verse 22, what if God desiring to show his wrath and make known his power? And if he wanted to do this in the most emphatic way, it is going to require patience. And that patience required God to wait a long time. And so he says in verse 22, he has endured with much patience Vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. I believe what Paul's referring to here is the idea of the Jewish people who were not really believers. They're the people who thought that they were right because they were just Abraham's descendants. They're the people who are going through the motions. They're the people who are worshiping idols. They're the people who aren't really God's faithful people. And yet God put up with them for a long time so that he could get to the point where he could reveal the fullness of his will and bring the Gentiles in waiting until what he calls in Galatians the fullness of time. So we could say a lot about that and all that plan, but I want you to get the feeling that if God has this kind of patience with people, that's going to involve a broad swath of time that God has to allow a whole lot of behavior he does not agree with. He doesn't just stop everything, say, hey, everybody out of the pool, look at what you guys have done. Instead, what he does is he waits and he attempts to turn the people toward his will. He works with them. 
He tries to reach them by blessing them. He tries to reach them by making things hard. He lets them suffer. He sends them messengers. He works miracles. He writes books. He tells stories. And he just keeps trying. In fact, you can really read the entire Bible story as God's continual effort to reach out to his people to try to bring them back to him. And he does it over a huge period of time. We're we're studying in our daily devotionals in the Old Testament. And that is the thing that is so impressive to me about the Old Testament. As you look at each one of these stories, each generation provides a new challenge in terms of how God's people are going to find a way away from him. And yet God is always there to call them back to him. There is patience there because patience involves always that time. So when we then have to have patience with people and be patient with them all, sometimes what we are waiting for is for people to wake up and figure things out. We're waiting for the the switch to flip. And sometimes we're waiting and waiting and waiting. This is like the story of the prodigal son, where the son decides, I don't want to be here anymore. And the father says, okay, well, here's your inheritance, you go. And so the son goes and, and he is fine on his own until he runs out of money and there's a famine and he is feeding pigs. And there's a moment where the text says, this is Jesus' story in Luke 15, the text says that he came to himself The the switch is flipped. He gets it. And do you know what he finds when he came to himself? When he goes back home, he finds a father who sees him afar off, is watching for him and waiting for him. A patient father. I wonder how long he's waiting. Waiting each day, looking out on the horizon. Is my son coming home? But it's going to involve time. So for many people, there is a right time when when the switch is flipped and they get it and things begin to make sense and they wake up, but we can't force it. It involves waiting, and waiting means time. Sometimes, though, we're not waiting for people to flip the switch. We're waiting for people to grow. And this reminds me so much of raising children. When you have children, you want them to be older because there are things about the stages that they're in that would be easier if they were older. Sometimes we're, we're understandable about that. You know, sometimes we say, hey, it's good, let's enjoy this stage. But at other times we get frustrated with it. And you say, well, why can't you talk? I want to hear what you have to say. Or why can't you walk yet? Or why can't you eat solid food? Or why can't you get out of your own car seat? Or why can't we do these things that we know are coming? And no matter how much you want growth to happen, growth has to happen at its own pace. Now, of course, there are times And this is true in spiritual things, too, when we grow faster than at other times. I have a teenager right now, and I'm I'm noticing that. But the idea that we can rush it, it just doesn't happen. That's not the way growth works. So if you want to talk about this situation that Paul is describing, where he says that there are people who are idle and they need to be admonished, well, that's a, a change in their lifestyle that needs to happen, but it's going to take time. And that there are people who are faint-hearted and they need to be comforted. But you know what? That, that growing out of that and growing back to health is going to take time. And there are people who are weak. And for them to become strong is just going to take time. And so we need to understand that being patient with people is always going to involve us having to deal with things not being perfect for some amount of time, an undefined amount of time. So we need to prepare for the idea that we're going to expend our energy for others and try to help them. And we need to be very prepared for the idea that this will not be a quick fix. 
because no people are a quick fix. And I've got to say, just before I leave this, uh, this is really hard for me personally because I don't, I don't mind doing work, but I really don't like doing maintenance. You know, if I mow the yard, I want the yard to stay mowed. If I pay my taxes, I want my taxes to stay paid. I don't like the idea that I have to keep doing it over and over again, watching it, tending to it. And yet that's the way people are. People are a project that demands maintenance. Relationships require patience and time. So we need to be prepared to invest more than just a few moments of dealing with one situation and instead be prepared to spend long periods of time regular intervals where we continue to try to help others to become what God wants them to be. Patience is going to involve time. Second, uh, patience involves bearing with others. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. I, I think you can probably tell this from what we talked about with God, but patience is going to involve the idea of there being things that are not where we want them to be in terms of us having to deal with people growing into the person that they need to be. Some things... We're just going to have to put up with. We're just going to have to overlook. We're going to have to bear with. We're going to have to deal with them. Colossians 3 talks about this. This is Colossians 3. I want to read in verse 12. Now, this is a section where uh, Paul is describing the old man that we put off when we become a Christian and the new man that we put on. We become a new person. We have new attitudes. He says in Colossians 3.12, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So we become kind and caring and humble, verse 12, but we also become patient. And in this context, we're really focusing on individual conflict. He says in verse 13, bearing with one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. He talks about love in verse 14. So patience is going to mean that sometimes we get cross with each other, we hurt each other, we sin against each other. we got to have hard conversations. we got to work through the problem so that we can get to a point where we're back and reconciled to one another. And that requires patience. And when you look at that, you might say, well, I have to bear with this person when I'm really tempted to just get mad and stay mad or perhaps get mad and run away. Ephesians 4, verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So we bear with one another in love, we have patience with one another, and that's what maintains the unity of the Spirit. Maybe I could say it this way. I know that we all love the idea of a new beginning. You know, we have a a new person that we meet. And we get excited, you know, well, maybe we hit it off with them. And so we're excited to have a new friend. Or maybe it's a new job and we're excited to start or a new place to move to, a new house. We're excited because the novelty is exciting. And I think the reason why novelty like that is exciting is because we think maybe this time, this relationship, this job, this home, this town will be better than the last one. And some of the things we didn't like about that, we'll trade them in for something better. If it's a blank slate... It could be better. And sometimes it seems to me that Christians make decisions in pursuit of the perfect 
relationship or the perfect church or the perfect situation, and they hop around from church to church, town to town, group to group. And what I want to say, and what I believe Paul means here when he talks about patience and and bearing with one another and maintaining unity, is that something is missing when we run from relationships because they're not perfect. Something's wrong there. That's not the way relationships work. True meaning and depth, true spiritual growth comes when we work through problems instead of running from them. And that's why he says what we just read, that we are maintaining the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace when we bear with one another in love, when we are forgiving, when we are putting up with one another's flaws and foibles. Well, somebody is thinking, Okay, well, talked a lot about patience and how we have to be patient, patient, patient. Um, Somebody is thinking, well, what does it mean to be patient with regard to sin? Are we saying that we just, you know, somebody's not where they should be, we just kind of ignore that? Is that what patience is? Well, no, patience is not the same as ignoring sin. Bearing with people doesn't mean that, you know, whatever they do or say is just fine. We just have to put up with whatever they throw at us. In our text, Paul doesn't say, Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.14 text, Paul doesn't say, ignore the idol. You know, don't worry about it. Instead, he says, admonish them. The idea is that we don't let people do evil things. We don't ignore when people do wrong. But as we work with them, we work with them with patience. We understand that things aren't going to be clean. And that sometimes people are going to be weak or defiant or faint-hearted. And that sometimes we're going to have to say hard words to each other. Sometimes we're stressed or we're angry or we're having uh, conflict at home. And sometimes we just see things different ways. And so our response to that is not to just run away. Our response is patience. Our response is not just to be frustrated with each other. Our response is patience. Sometimes we will find ourselves in conflict a lot or having trouble with the same people who need attention all the time. And I want to remind you of the the definition we came to earlier. Do you remember this? Emotional calm in the face of provocation and misfortune without complaint or irritation. Bearing with other people. So patience means that we deal gently with people who are struggling with sin because we know our own struggles. It may mean that we wait a little longer try to extend a little more mercy. We may speak a little softer. We may put up with a little more. But it's not because we don't care about sin. It's not because those things are just okay. It's because we care about that person and we're not going to give up on them. That's the idea of be patient with them all. What we don't do is run away from needs. What we don't do is get frustrated with people because they're imperfect. And when we struggle with that, which we will, It might help us to think a little bit about how much God has put up with from us and how God has pursued us in spite of all the things that we've done against him. Just how many things have I done and said that God has been patient with me about? Third thing I want you to see here about patience is that patience can be taken advantage of. And I I just want to say the quiet part loud here. I think that's what we're all afraid of, isn't it? That if we're patient... Somebody is going to come and say, oh, good, that means that I can do whatever I want. I can walk all over them. And I am going to say that, yes, that's true. That is what patience can mean, or at least it can be taken that way. 
Scripture tells us that that is exactly what people do with God. So let's go to Romans 2. I want to show you that. Romans chapter 2. And uh, again, we come back to the idea that God is the model of patience. So when, when Paul talks about God's patience, we learn some about what it's like to be patient with people. Romans 2 and verse 2. Now, Paul here is speaking to the Jews. Uh, the Jews have been with him up to this point because he's been kind of getting on to the Gentiles and describing how bad Gentile society had gotten. But now he turns on the Jews. He says in Romans 2 and verse 2, We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Do you hear those words? Those are, those are words that describe patience here. Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So he says, do you think when you judge other people, and then you commit the same thing that you're judging them for. Do you think that God won't notice? God, you'll escape God's judgment? Instead, he says, what you end up doing is, is presuming. Verse 4, presuming on the riches of God's patience. So God is waiting. God is bearing with people. He is not just giving us what we deserve. So how do we respond to that? And he says, there are people who take that and say, oh, good. I could do whatever I want because nobody, you know, the the person who is supposed to judge us, is not, he's not on duty. He's asleep at the wheel. I could do what I want. Nobody is paying any attention. How do we respond to that patience? Some people respond by taking advantage of it. And he says, actually, verse 4, actually, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. See, God is patient because he knows we're weak and sinful, we're going to make mistakes, and he wants us to have the opportunity to turn it around and come back to him. And so he says, I'm going to be patient, and try to get to that end result. It's interesting to me that this passage, I think, is exactly what Peter is talking about in 2 Peter 3 when he says this, count the patience of our Lord, which in his text he's talking about how uh, Jesus has not yet come back and the, the coming of the Lord has not yet happened. But he says, count the patience of our Lord as salvation, which is exactly what Paul has said, uh, that God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. So, and Peter goes on to talk about how people twist Paul's writings to their own destruction. But Peter says, you need to think about this the way Paul said you need to think about it. Don't take God's patience as an invitation to do wrong. Don't take advantage of God. Now, I go through all of that to make the point That if that can happen to God when God is patient, it can happen to us when we are patient. Others may, and others probably will, take advantage of our patience. And I am saying that Scripture teaches us, and it's also what I'm trying to say myself, be patient anyway. There are people who are going to tell you what they think you want to hear and then going to go do what they want. There are people who are going to ask your advice and then completely ignore it. There are people who are going to get angry at you and accuse you of bad things. There are people who are going to assume that they can keep taking and taking and taking and taking from you and that for some reason you're just supposed to keep giving. I don't know what they think has happened, but somehow you're the giver and they're the taker and that's just the way things are. They can treat you unfairly. 
without any apology, probably without any realization that they've been unfair to you. And that can hurt, and that can be discouraging, and I am saying that's exactly what happens to God. It's the nature of God to be patient. And most of the time in my experience, there's nothing to be done about those situations. You know, what can you do? How do you get angry at a weak person for being weak? How do you get angry at a shallow person for being shallow? How do we expect them to act beyond what their character is? So be like God. Give good gifts to other people and show grace. Do I, you know what I mean by grace? What I mean is these are things people don't deserve, patience they don't deserve. And yet we give it to them freely, knowing that they'll probably take advantage of it, knowing that it might not be the blessing we intended to be, but we do the right thing and we take the high road because that's what God does. Be patient with them all. I want you to go back with me to 1 Thessalonians 5. In 1 Thessalonians 5, I want you to read this verse again. We're, we're going to, of course, take a break from this verse. I think we've probably wrung it out about as much as we can over the last month. But 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, I, I want to read it with you one last time, and I want you to think about what this means altogether. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. So as you deal with your brothers and sisters, which is the context here, Think about these different categories and ask yourself the question, what do my brothers and sisters need from me? This is a passage that takes us out of the self-focus and the navel-gazing that we so often do, where we're worried about our own things. And he says, look around at other people. There are people around you who are idle and who are faint-hearted and who are weak, who need your attention Give it to them and ask the question, well, what is appropriate for this person in this situation? Sometimes it may seem that this is a situation where that this person is really out of line and something harder needs to be said or done. But it seems to me that a lot of times what's needed is not a lecture, but comfort and help and patience. And I think that's the reason Paul describes it the way he does. So as you work with them, as you work with your brothers and sisters, encourage them, warn them, comfort them, but coat all of that with patience. I would like to encourage all of us to think this week about how patient we are with other people. I have a strong suspicion that people in our country in this moment in time are much less patient than they would be in ordinary circumstances. It seems to me that people are quite agitated and angry and anxious. And because of that, we don't treat one another as well as we should. And that can happen in homes, and that can happen in jobs, and that can happen in online interactions, and that can happen in the church. It can also happen on the road. How patient am I? And I want to encourage you to make a special effort this week when you have those moments to be more like God, to show kindness, to be patient, to take an extra beat before you speak, to leave that insult in your pocket, to assign favorable motives to people when you're, you're not sure that they have favorable motives, and to wait for people to grow. 
May God bless us to be patient with them all. Let's pray and we'll be done with our time for tonight. Our God and Father, we are so thankful to you because you have blessed us so richly and you have been so greatly patient with us. Father, we have lived in rebellion against you. We have done things of which we are now ashamed. We are stubborn. We are reluctant to trust you. We are selfish and self-absorbed. And Father, we need you to enlighten us. We need you to show us a better way. And we need your patience and your love and your grace. And Father, we are thankful that we can call you our Father and approach you in prayer and praise your name as your children because of what you've done for us. But Father, help us to learn how to extend that same patience to others. I pray that you'll give us hearts that are tender so that we can show your compassion and love to others. I pray that you'll help us to be more aware of the need that we have to spend time waiting and working with others to help them to grow. Help us, Father, to look out, especially among our congregation, and see others that we can help And pray, Father, that you'll give us the spiritual discernment that we need to know what would be best and most helpful and most appropriate in each situation. Father, we have have worked with this text and thought about this text over the past month. I pray that you'll bless it and bless us, that you'll drive this into our hearts, that you'll help us to be a people who learns that there are things that are appropriate and things that are not. Give us wisdom as we try to apply your word. Father, we pray for those of our number who are sick and those who are in the hospital. And this is a difficult time, Father, because uh, we're not allowed to see one another and even the family is not allowed to be there. And Father, we pray for peace and for comfort for those families. We pray for the health of our brothers and sisters. And Father, I pray that you'll help them to recover and be able to go home again. Father, I pray for all of us as we battle these strange and difficult times that we'll stay connected to you, that our faith and our spirits will remain vibrant, and that we can continue to be a light to those around us. Please go with us now as we part. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.